Hey, it's Damian Barling reminding you to check out the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network for all of your Sacramento Kings news and notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Damian Barling, and you can follow us at Hoop Ball Kings. Don't miss a single episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. The following is a Hoop Ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Today's podcast starts with a nice round number 15. 15 is the countdown on NBA action games that count for something for a few of these teams, it would seem. Eight days until baseball, again, not a baseball podcast, but listen, we're sports fans at the end of the day, so we're looking for something to grab onto. I think we've stared down the barrel of really intense, visceral, charged news for four and a half months, and I feel like we earned a little mental respite. Like, there's only so long that you can bury yourself in stories about COVID, Um and that's pretty cool. We're getting close. We're we're really, truly getting close at this point. The news stories coming out of the NBA are bubble-related, practice-related. There's media availabilities. It almost feels like we're closing in on something. Almost. Uh, a couple of bits of news from yesterday in the NBA that came out after we released our podcast. Nikola Jokic is out of his Orlando quarantine. So he'd actually been in Orlando for two days already. He will not practice, or he didn't, I should say, practice yesterday, being Tuesday. I would assume he probably gets out there and does a little something today. So what that does, remember on yesterday's podcast, we talked about whether or not we needed to move someone like Jokic or James Harden down the board because they weren't there yet. Well, secretly, he was. Shows what the hell we know. Harden actually just got to Orlando, so he'll start his two-day quarantine, and he'll presumably be out by, uh, don't know if he'll be out by tomorrow or if it'll be Friday for James. Dennis Schroeder, oh, before we move on, actually, uh, you can leave Harden where he's at, because if he's practicing now with about 11, 12 days to go before the resumption season starts, he's still far and away going to be the best fantasy option available. Uh, The note on Dennis Schroeder is that he his wife is exp- he and his wife I should say are expecting their second child due anywhere between about three and four weeks from now. Of course, two weeks is basically the start of the reseeding games. Three weeks would be by halfway through, and four weeks would be pretty much right at the end. This one I think does actually have some impact on what we're doing. We had Schroeder pretty high on our resumption league draft board. Pretty much everybody on Oklahoma City we had high because they're going to be playing their guys and probably almost normal minutes, and probably most of the eight games. So Schroeder, we had basically top 60 for this resumption, and now there is the possibility he misses all, half, or none of this seeding campaign. And I'll tell you, for those of you that have not been involved in childbirth, it doesn't run on schedule most of the time. In a pandemic, I think they are doing more induction stuff, and I don't know if that's going to be something that 
comes about. I don't, I don't know where Dennis Schroeder's family lives, even if it's here in the States or abroad. Um, but that the baby being due in three or four weeks, his baby could do come tomorrow and would be fully baked by this point. So, you know, the probability would state that you get closer to the actual due date of about four weeks from now, and that would give him most of the resumption. But even if he misses only one game, it changes the complexion. It changes how we were rating him in our system. So Schroeder's got to move down, and I think, uh, uh, unfortunately, a fairly large amount because now there's a possibility that he misses three, four, five, six of the receding games and becomes a relatively useless fantasy player in that regard. So now you've got to move him all the way down with the guys that are a little bit more plodding types where, yeah, we might get a few big ones out of Schroeder, but that really wouldn't be enough to justify a high draft position if you could get someone else who's going to give you six, seven, or eight good games. So we got to drop him all the way back down below the guys like Jay Crowder, Malcolm Brogdon, who we dropped down yesterday, Ingles, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and all the way, I think, down into the realm of the guys like Tim Hardaway, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Troy Brown, who are probably going to play decent minutes, but one would assume their upside is a little bit capped. So Schroeder now moves from about 60 to about 90 in my book. We're dropping him about three rounds with the news that he is expecting a child, which is such a weird and, and kind of sad thing to do from a fantasy standpoint. But I want you guys to remember, you're listening to a fantasy basketball podcast. The decisions we make are based on fantasy basketball, not on what's going on in real life. In real life, this is really great news for the Schroeder family. It's fantastic. It's a blessing. But we have to rate this wonderful news for him on what it'll do to a potential eight-game sprint in fantasy, and it makes him a very, very risky pick. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I jumped right into it today, didn't I? Fantasy NBA Today is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com. I am your host, Dan Bespris. I am, as always, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. And if you want to keep hitting me up about our open spots, please do so. Actively recruiting for a spot on our sports betting team here at HoopBall and uh, sort of passively recruiting for full-season fantasy folks. You would start on the blurb feed and work your way up the ladder over there, uh, passively recruiting for DFS and sales as well. Um, so really anything. If you got if you got a skill that you think we could use here over at HoopBall, shoot me a line, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Also, get your lawnmowers here. Get your lawnmowers. Lawnmower 3.0 over at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with the coupon code HoopBall20. Built-in LED light, 90-minute charge, charging stand, 7,000 RPMs, and no pinching. It's actually kind of amazing. I don't know how they figured out the no pinching thing, but it actually is true and works. Lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. Tell them Hoopball sent you by using the coupon code HOOPBALL20. We need you. I will say it again. We need, 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 need you. If you've ever thought, man... Dan has been doing this show for three and a half, four years, and I have won thousands of dollars in my fantasy leagues. What should I spend it on? Um, maybe throw a little back to our sponsor's way, because that's how we can keep on chugging over here. 
As promised on yesterday's show, we are actually not really doing fantasy today. This is a sports betting day, the rest of the podcast, and we're looking at NBA futures in this very weird resumption campaign. There are many of them, and they are interesting. We'll start, and we'll just work our way down the list. The odds to win the finals, I don't like this futures bet at all. The Lakers are the favorite right now at about plus 240. The Bucks right behind them at plus 250, Clippers at plus 330, and then there's a massive drop-off for the Rockets, oddly enough, for the fourth option there at plus 1,200. It's going to be one of those top three teams. I feel pretty darn confident about that. The only team that I would give a little bit of a nod to would be the Sixers at plus 2,800 coming out of the Eastern Conference. They have the star power to make some impact in a playoff scenario where maybe they can sort of pack it in uh, you know, they're going to need to figure out how to space the floor a little bit against these better defensive teams, but they have they have some guys on that club that are more cl- are closer to unstoppable, and that those are the guys you look for in the playoffs, guys that can create in a slow-down, half-court type of setting. And frankly, if Joel Embiid had been healthier last year, they m- may have even been the team to come out of the East. So, you know, put, put the pieces together on that one. Uh, the rest of the teams on this list, I don't see the Rockets beating... The Clippers, the Lakers, or potentially both. Same deal for pretty much anyone else in the Western Conference. If you're going to pick someone, you figure maybe someone could beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, and that's why I looked at the Sixers, because they were basically built to contend with Milwaukee. They, they stocked their roster with the kind of guys that can at least give the Bucks a run for their money, and the Sixers have been, to their credit, quite good against teams within their division and within their conference. So th- this was a club that seemed like they were uh, lacking focus at times, but when they were focused, they were pretty darn tough. So I don't know that I would go as far as throwing coin on the 76ers because not only then would they have to beat the Bucks, but whatever juggernaut comes out of the Western Conference, but that would be the value play here. And this, by the way, will translate to a bet that we talk about later on. The reason I want to move through this one at a decent clip is because I don't really like the wagers here to win the finals because I think they've got the favorites pegged pretty well. And I think your one long shot has to go probably through too many hurdles to actually get there. So let's go to the other ones and let's see what we can figure out here. Odds to be the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. The Nets are at minus 250, the Magic plus 200, and the Wizards at plus 2100. You can wipe the Wizards off your board. It's not happening. They're not catching up. Uh, everybody's like, well, Brooklyn's horrible right now. This is true. Brooklyn's a disaster. They have no one left on their roster. But they are six games up on the Wizards. And here's the thing. This is what gets lost in the shuffle. The Wizards, you could argue, are better than the Nets during this resumption campaign. Maybe, maybe. Remember, they're without Beal, Wall, and Bertans themselves. Even if they were a little bit better than Brooklyn, it's still darn near impossible to gain three games on another team in an eight-game sprint if both teams are horrible. Here's why. They only play each other once during the eight games. One time. The Wizards play the Suns, the Nets, and then listen to this gauntlet. The Pacers, the Sixers, the Pels, the Thunder, the Bucks, the Celtics. 
The Wizards may very well lose their last six games of this resumption in a row. They might lose all eight. And they have to go at least three and five to get themselves presumably close enough for a seeding game. For a play-in situation. And that's assuming Brooklyn loses all eight of their games, which also seems somewhat unlikely. So usually a team will find a way to win one. Brooklyn's playing the Magic and the Nets to start, or excuse me, the Magic and the Wizards to start. Then they've got the Bucks, the Celtics, the Kings, the Clippers, the Magic again, and the Blazers. The Nets actually have a slightly easier schedule than the Wizards. So it's not happening. Wizards are a long shot for a reason. I'm actually a little bit intrigued by the chalk on Brooklyn, oddly enough. Orlando, at the moment, is actually a half game behind the Nets in the Eastern Conference. The Magic are 23 games back of the Bucks. The Nets are 22 and a half. So the Magic are currently the eighth seed. The interesting note here, of course, is that they are the underdog to stay in the eight seed because they're only a, a half game back. And the Magic are, for all intents and purposes, mostly healthy. Healthy with the absence of Jonathan Isaac, who might even get in there a little bit during the resumption, but I, I certainly wouldn't count on it. So the Magic have Vooch and Aaron Gordon and uh, Markel Fultz and DJ Augustine and Evan Fournier, and they've got they have live bodies on their team which, uh, well, Brooklyn can't really claim right now. Orlando's got Terrence Ross. They've got Mo Bamba. They've got okay backups blended in. Brooklyn is out there signing Michael Beasley, who then immediately tests positive for COVID and has to go home. Brooklyn has Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Garrett Temple, Karis LeVert. That's who's left. Tyler Johnson, they signed. Jamal Crawford, they signed. This is a rough spot. So what about the Magic? Well, you know they'd rather be the 7th seed than the 8th, for one. Because there you could make the argument, well, do the Magic really take this 8-game sprint seriously? I think the answer to that is yes. They'd rather have the Raptors in the first round than the Bucks, And they don't want to fall back. I mean, it's unlikely, unlikely though it may be. They don't want to fall back and have to deal with the Wizards. The Magic schedule for the 8 games... The Nets, you've already heard, they play the Nets twice. So they win both of those. They basically guarantee the seventh seed. If they win one of them, well, you're right back where you started. Then they've got the Kings, the Pacers, the Raptors, the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Pelicans mixed in, which is basically the same, roughly, same schedule as these other teams fighting for those seven and eight spots. The Magic are just a better team right now than the Nets. And to be only a half game back, they only have to outplay Brooklyn by one win during this seeding stretch. I mean, if the Magic go 4-4, four and four, they probably pass the Nets, who likely go under 500 during these eight games. So I kind of like the Nets at minus 250 to be the eighth seed because I think they're going to fall back a half game, right? Could they possibly play the same as Orlando during these eight games? Yeah, it's conceivable, but that's not that crazy of a number to lay when you when you are looking at a team with no one left. It's not a bet I love. I don't love it, but I like it. The odds to be the eighth seed. Listen, by the way, uh, sharp bets are not always underdogs. If you can find value on a favorite, that's not insane either. 
Anyway, odds to be the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Grizzlies at minus 143. Pelicans plus 300. Blazers plus 400. Kings plus 1,100. Spurs plus 1,300. Phoenix uh, <laughs> plus 6,000. Mavericks plus 50,000. Yeah, they ain't falling that far. I mean, it's almost impossible, isn't it? What's the number there? Mavericks are seven games up on the Grizzlies. Yeah. So we'll write that one off. We'll also write the Suns and the Spurs off. It's not happening for those two teams. Spurs are without too many. Uh, they're without LaMarcus Aldridge, so it's just not going to happen. They're also a half game back of the Blazers, the Pels, and the Kings. Spurs, Suns, uh, Mavericks in this wager. You just wipe them out. So let's look at the Grizzlies, the Pels, the Blazers, and the Kings. The Grizzlies at minus 143, they are, for all intents and purposes, the team that should be expecting to grab that eight seed. But at the same time, I'm not willing to lay chalk on it because, you know, we've heard that as these teams get closer, things can get a little bit goofball. Everybody seems to think the Blazers or the Pels are the team that are going to chase them down. Um, Blazers got healthier. And so everybody's afraid of Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins coming back. But those two dudes haven't played in forever. I would fade the Blazers coming right out of the shoot here. They haven't had much practice time. There's been COVID. They're not in game shape. I don't like the Blazers at all. I mean, I like them to play their butts off. They're going to play hard. If I'm looking at anybody to overtake the Grizzlies in this one, and I'm not betting Memphis at the favorite price because uh, crazier things have happened, the... I mean, look, they, they, they have a cushion... And it would take a lot to to jump it. But there are those little rule caveats that are creeping into this thing. I like the Kings at plus 1,100 as the, the, the value play on the, the eighth seed in the Western Conference. The Kings have the exact same record as the Pelicans. They've played two fewer games than the Blazers, but again, they're... All of those teams are three and a half games back of the Grizzlies. And if you're going to wager on one of those teams, everybody's the Pelicans are the the darling here because they have Zion and they're fun. But look, they had Zion before the season was closing up shop and they weren't that great then either because they don't guard anybody. They should have better defense than they do, but they don't. I don't know that I'm willing to just say, yeah, they come out of the gate swinging here and no one can figure out what to do with them because, yeah, they can score, but... They're a little bit disjointed. The team that was actually playing cohesive basketball was Sacramento. They're well, they were much better within the conference than the Pels and the Blazers this year. Sacramento's issues actually, oddly enough, came on the road. On the road and against Eastern Conference team. Go figure that one out. They were 8-16 and 16 against Eastern Conference teams. They played quite well against the West, another team that ratchets their game up when... In bigger moments. And these are big moments. Kings are playing well. I like them. They got Bagley back. They've got Holmes back. De'Aaron Fox was finally playing well before the shutdown. They had the second best record in the NBA the final three weeks before the season was suspended. Sorry, third best. Behind the Thunder, the Lakers. And then it was the Kings. And the Clippers. That was the next group. So if I'm putting money on any of those underdogs, I'm taking the one that's a 12-to-1 shot. Give me Sacramento at plus 1,100 there. I can dig it. Odds to win the Eastern Conference Finals. The next one on our board here. The Bucks are the favorite at minus 167. 
Everybody else is an underdog. Celtics, Raptors plus 700. Heat and Sixers plus 900. Pacers, 33 to 1. Nets, Magic, Wizards, wild long shots that none of us is touching anyway, so just leave them alone. Uh, I don't like the Celtics at plus 700. I I like that they're, they're, they've actually been a really fun fantasy team this year, but to me, they just don't, they haven't shown the ability to get up and over the best teams in the NBA. And I think it's probably their divisional record that leads me into that direction because they've actually been pretty good against the Eastern Conference, but a lot of that was an Eastern Conference that, they beat up on sort of the clunker teams of the East. The Celtics were, well, <sighs> for all intents and purposes, they were relatively average against the better teams in the NBA. You know, they were 7-6 and six within their division, a division that includes some good teams, the Raptors, the Sixers, the Nets, you know, three other playoff teams. So that's your that's your good barometer there. And they were... Fairly, they were average, or fairly average. The Knicks were also in that division. Look at some of the other teams in that division. Raptors eight and four, better but not great. Sixers eleven and four within the division. And this is why, when I look at these teams coming out of the Eastern Conference, I'm I'm not that confident in the Raptors. You know, they played their starters playoff style minutes during the regular season. Toronto is is still good. And we had an over-wager on them for regular season wins that had cashed already, but all of those got canceled, unfortunately. So, don't get me wrong, I am a big Raptorsophile. That's a team that is consistently underrated every single year. It's one of the easiest bets we've made season in and season out. But a lot of that is because they take the regular season more seriously than other teams do. A team in the Eastern Conference that didn't take the regular season that seriously, that has shown itself to be quite competent against the best teams in the NBA, is the 76ers. At plus 900 to come out of the Eastern Conference, I love it. I love it. I absolutely adore it. I don't know what bracket they're going to be in. Right now, they're the sixth seed, which, I mean actually would be kind of good for us to make a wager coming out of the Eastern Conference because then, you know, they've got the Celtics in the first round right now, probably the Raptors in the second round, and then it would be the Bucks in the third round, which is not exactly an easy path to get through. But if they get to Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, you could hedge that wager, take Milwaukee when you got to that point, and then you're winning money either way. You could hedge. Or... Do the 76ers play well during the seeding period, move up to the five spot, and then they end up with the Heat and then the Bucks before an Eastern Conference Finals situation? Basically, what we want is we would want the Sixers to play the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals or to, to save them until the Eastern Conference Finals. Unfortunately, um, Waiting till partway through the seeding games might not be our best move here because if they look good, this number could come down. I, I guess it depends on what you think might happen with the Sixers at the front end of the seeding games. I truly don't know. There's there's so much in the air, and we could try to make these educated guesses on whatever happens. But you know they've got this the Pacers, 
and then the Spurs, and then the Wizards, and then the Magic, and the Blazers, and the Suns. They actually, by all accounts, have a relatively easy seeding schedule. And so I'm tempted to say the Sixers have a reasonable chance of moving up into the five seed, because they're tied with the Pacers right now. They would just flip-flop with Indiana. And then they'd have the heat in the first round, and people would start to think, oh, they're playing well, and that number starts to come down a little bit, and it actually screws us, because not only would the number likely come down, but they'd also be staring down the Bucks in the second round, and that's not great for our potential hedge. So I think I'll take the Sixers. We'll hope for the best on that one. Uh, the rest of these value plays I'm not super enthused by. The... Uh, the Celtics would probably be my other underdog, although, again, they really haven't proven to me that they can handle the best of the best coming out of the East. They're just kind of fun, <laughs> That's the, which is weird for a Laker fan to say. The Celtics were kind of fun this year. Um, Raptors, I think the playoffs will, where they've been playing harder than a lot. Of, and that's the same deal with the Celtics at times. They, they take some of these games more seriously than other teams, and so you kind of run up regular season wins, but... When other teams move up a click in the playoffs, I don't know if there's that same distance between where they were and where they will be. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe. But this is what you got to be looking at when you're hunting for value. Western Conference Finals odds, uh, I'm not that enthused by either. The uh, Lakers and the Clippers are the prohibitive favorites there, and so there's basically nothing for you to throw your money at. Do you think someone's going to go through both of those teams? Because as it stands right now, those two teams wouldn't have to play each other until the Western Conference Finals. So if you're going to get to the actual NBA Finals out of the West, you will have to go through the Lakers and the Clippers, most likely. The only way that doesn't happen is if someone knocks one of them off before you get there. Like, let's say, oh, I don't know, let's say you're the Jazz, and you maintain your four seed, and you somehow beat the Lakers in the second round, but before you get to the third round... The Rockets had beaten the Clippers, so you'll have to go through the Lakers. Uh, you'll have to go through the Thunder, the Lakers, and the Rockets instead of the Thunder, the Lakers, and the Clippers. That would be the difference there, and even that would be a tall order. By the way, not saying the Jazz can do any of those things. Just saying it, it feels like you're going to have to go through both L.A. teams to get to the finals, and that makes a long shot in the Western Conference a much deeper long shot than someone in the East who probably only is looking at one juggernaut to get to the actual NBA Finals. So, no thank you. No thanks. I mean, I don't know how you're going to try to convince me of any of this stuff. The, the closest thing you got to convincing me of something is probably the Mavericks at plus 1,400 because they are sneaky better than their record would indicate. Dallas at 40 and 27. Uh, they're one of the best offensive teams in basketball history this year, and they're coming in healthy they're still not great at guarding people, and, you know, if Luka goes cold for a game or if some team like, say, the Clippers has the type of guys they can put on him to really make life difficult moment in and moment out in the playoffs, yeah, that changes things a little bit. Rockets are gimmicky enough where you might think maybe they could get through one of these teams, but that also could come completely falling apart. So, nah. It's basically where I'm at now. Nah, on most of these other ones. Not interested in the other stuff coming out of the West. And that's where we're at with futures in the NBA. You look at schedule, you look at value, and you try to figure out where you ought to go. 
And so right now, the Nets, as a favorite to drop into the eighth seed, is one I like a little bit. The Kings, as a value play to make it to the eighth seed in the Western Conference, I like as, a, as an underdog, kind of a long-shot underdog. Who do I actually think is going to be the eighth seed? I think it's probably going to be the Grizz, but, you know, they're not a good value there. Uh, odds win the Eastern Conference Finals. I like the Sixers as your value play with a possible hedge later on. And no pick out of the Western Conference. Who's going to win the Western Conference Finals? Who's going to come out of the West? No thanks. Malcolm Brogdon practiced with the Pacers today, which is, I think, a decent story. And maybe he gets moved back up on our big board a little bit. This is uh, a big deal. We didn't know what his status was. We had actually shifted him down a few ranks because of the Oladipo news, but at least now we probably don't have to move him any farther down the board because of COVID news. We had him right around 80 after the Oladipo news dropped. We had him up near 50 before that. Victor's return, potential return, impacts Brogdon by probably about three rounds of value, maybe even a tiny bit more, but some of the guys behind him are so bad at this point. We're not going to supplant those guys. So good news today on the COVID front. A lot of these guys, these bigger name guys that were not practicing are getting close now. Westbrook, Harden, uh, close to practicing with Houston. Brogdon does practice. Jokic, probably a day away from practicing. Some of these are really, really, really big names. And the fact that they're coming out of this is a good sign. It's working so far. It's working so far. I continue to be most concerned by someone from the Orlando area coming into the bubble, like a Disney employee. That's the stuff that freaks me out because they're testing the players so often and they have these, these procedures in place where if someone gets a positive test, they go into strict lockdown. Anybody they came into contact with can do it as well. But what happens if someone brings something in? Because right now, you know, you took your two positives out you figure the NBA right now basically is COVID-free for the moment. But who's coming in? Mm. Who's coming in? That worries me. It does. It worries me. And I continue to say I have no idea how baseball gets there, but I will continue to hold my breath and cross my fingers, whatever else I can do to get us to that point. Again, get a lawnmower. Not for your grass. For your you know, shaving. Thawmore 3.0 at manscaped.com. Coupon code is HoopBall20. Great stuff going on at HoopBall these days. Make sure to check it out. Hoop-Ball.com is the website. There are upgrades in progress right now. You may notice them if you navigate over to the website. I'm Dan Vespers. This was your betting Wednesday show. Tomorrow, we'll start to break down a mock draft. Industry mock draft. It's happening right now. We're actually five picks into round two. We're on pick 17. We're slow plodding our way through. <laughs> Waiting on Adam King, actually, who's hosting as we, as we speak. <laughs> Get to it, Adam. I have Anthony Davis. I had third pick. I'm interested in how this whole thing shakes. It's already been really illuminating, by the way. And we'll go through this thing one by one because, damn it, we ain't got anything else to do. Also, we may have a new show at HoopBall that I can announce relatively soon. And the returns... Of today in sports betting, earlier this week, they brought that back with some uh, KBO action. The return of DFS today is this weekend, this coming weekend. Mike Apatria and Santino are rocking out the show there. They've got a fantastic team that's built out. That'll be seven days a week once basketball actually comes back. 
really excited about all these things coming back. We're getting close. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.